Good morning, lovely people. It is Monday, January 16th. The Lopes split once again this week, both taking care of business at home against UT Arlington, a game in which the Lopes hit 14 three-point attempts, and falling to a hot-shooting Cal Baptist in Riverside. Are the Lopes feeling the effects of losing Blackshire and Y.O., or did they simply run into a rival determined to keep up? We are excited to discuss the week behind us and hope you are too. A new episode of Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out to Blackshire for three. Good! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Push back out. Harrison quickly to the clock and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barrel, you bounced out of your seat on that. I knew it with a big right hand. Give a little three-point advantage. So New Mexico State's 0-6. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't Gosh, really help us awful. much considering the Lopes are what three and two now. But still, it, yeah, it's we're, really it's right. really enjoyable it seeing nice. New Mexico State yeah. struggle. <laughs> yeah, it feels nice. Hey, do you know when the last time is the New Mexico State started conference play 0 and 6? Well, it had to have been before GCU was in the conference. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess back when like Boise State was in the conference sometime in the 90s. Oh, man. It's way, way further back. <laughs> 70s? Nope. Okay, can I ask this? Was it the whack? I, I don't think so. And GC, I'll give you a hint. GCU was barely a school. <laughs> the early days of GCU existing <laughs> at all was GCU was GCU younger than ten years old? Yeah, so it was in the fifties. I think, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, when was fifty-five? It? Oh my goodness, it started zero and six. I'm curious what conference that was because I'm pretty sure that the first year of the WAC was like sixty-four. I think. Wow, Mexico State wasn't always in the WAC though. True. True. Um, for example, the last time they've lost six games, six conference games in a row in any span was in 0405. They were in the Sun Belt at the time. New Mexico State was in the Sun Belt? Yeah, in 0405. That makes me think of like in football when the University of Idaho was in the Sun Belt. Yeah. Well, the WAC used to be the WAC used to be what the Pac 12 is. Like, like yeah. the, the yeah. Pac 12 teams were in the WAC back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, New, New Mexico State definitely was not in the whack. But geez, 6 and 0, the last time they did that in conference was 54. Yeah, it's been Dude. like 70 years. Jeez. My grandpa All was time like levels 10. Of horrific. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, it's it's embarrassing. It's it's a tough scene. And you know what? I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it too. I'm not no complaints here. Hey, do you mm. want to start out with questionable scenarios? Absolutely, I do. All right, Zach, pick one. The Lopes win the next three WAC titles and are guaranteed at least one tournament win each of those three years. But the Lopes can never leave the WAC for a better conference. Or the Lopes lose out of the WAC in the first three rounds of the next three conference tournaments. Sorry, the Lopes lose out of the WAC in the first round of the next three conference tournaments, but... 
they accept an invite to the West Coast Conference after the third year. No, I want to just keep running it down in the whack. Really? Yeah. And here's why. Um, I think that like best case scenario, right? Uh, it just the whack just can become the West Coast Conference, you know, right? Where like if GCU just is consistently owning and making the tournament, then like hey. That's like, I'm totally fine with that. I'm fine with us beating up on a bunch of bozos and making the tournament. Well, and if then it becomes it bolsters the case, the conference too. Yeah. If we're like nationally good every year, right. Then other schools may join that are good or other teams in the conference will kind of catch up. Um, what like the other the, scenario, the big, the big 12 will, will join. Right. You see <laughs> USC and UCLA will join the whack. Um, what it, what the other scenario sounds like is we're terrible. And then we join a better conference which which means like we're just gonna like go zero and sixteen, right? Like I, if we're losing the first round of Whack Vegas, and then you're gonna tell me we have to play Gonzaga and Santa Clara, I'm gonna be sad. Would you change your mind if I said we were the one seed in those tournaments and we just got upset, like complete Dude. flukes three times like, in a row, like maybe like the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl four, three times, the in a four row? times, yeah, those four times Bills, in a row? man, yeah. That kind I don't of know. I think I like. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I think I'd rather still be in the whack. I think the jump to the to the West Coast Conference isn't big enough for me. If it was a jump to a power conference, I, I think I'd do it. But I guess the idea is like, if we're basically going to another like conference where you have to get an AQ or like you have to be really high, uh, then I'd rather just stay where we are and, and guarantee that. Uh, if we're going to to like a power conference where there will be like four or five, six, seven, forty teams for the for the Big Ten. Um, but like in the West Coast conference, it's like, yeah, Gonzaga is going to make it and you're never going to get an AQ because Gonzaga is always going to get it. Right. So in order to make the tournament ever, you have to be an at-large and like, that's just going to be really infrequent. Keep so, in mind, Gonzaga might be heading to the big East. Yeah. That'd be which crazy. sounds absolutely ridiculous, but whatever. I mean, USC and UCLA are like playing Rutgers on, yeah, on weeknights. Right. right. So like, whatever, man. <laughs> Conferences are bogus, anyways. <laughs> Got the Trojans facing up against the Scarlet Knights on a Wednesday night in the middle of February. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Zach, you're going with uh, running the table in the in the whack. Yeah. I respect it. Part of me still wishes that we would get at least an invite from the West Coast, but who knows? B- uh, BYU is leaving this year after this year, and then yep. uh, you know. BYU is going to the American, right? No, they're going to the Big 12. Oh, yeah. Another one of those football-driven yeah. realignments. How many teams How many teams the Big 12 going to have? Not 12. Right. Well, they they don't have 12. They wait. They don't they're even adding have Houston now. and BYU and then I think UCF and Cincinnati. Yes, and Cincinnati and then they're losing Texas and Oklahoma. Wait, they might have they have 10 right now, right? Dude, I have no idea. No, I think they will have 12 then, actually, because they're adding four teams and losing two, and they have 10 right now. So they actually might be at 12 next year. Perfection. What a world. <laughs> now the Pac-12 has to add two or change their name. <laughs> well, soon they'll be the Pac what? What are they right now um, at? How many How many people? Well, they're at 12, but when you oh, assume they okay. they'll be down to 10. It'd just be the Pac-10. Or Again, just the Pac- yeah, they were the Pac-10. Just the pack. Remember when they were the pack ten? Life was remember, better when they were called the pack ten. Remember when they were the pack eight? 
No. That was basically <laughs> the original whack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's uh let's start a yeah. new a new segment. Trivia time. Okay. So we've uh I like it. We've brought some trivia questions for each other, and uh, we're each going to ask each other one. So I'm going to give you the honor, Zach, and you get to ask the first trivia time question. Okay. Earlier today, just just for fun and in preparing for this segment, but then I also kind of went down the rabbit hole. I looked at a lot of all-time GCU like stats leaders, um, and I found one that I think is just really, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't be surprising. It's surprising. So there is a current player for the Lopes who is top five all time in assists at GCU. Do you know who it is? Is it at GCU or in the whack? Uh, all time GCU. Okay, just in GCU. Um, I'm guessing it's Blackshirt because this is his fourth year and obviously point guard. Um, I can't think of anybody who's been around that long. So I'm guessing it's Blackshire. Yeah. Am I correct? It is. Let's Blackshire go. is number five all time on that list. So let's put me at a let's put me at a big old whopping one and oh in trivia time. Okay. I'm just gonna write that down for future reference. All right, you ready for your trivia right, time that question? That was kind of an easy one. It was an easy one, yes, but sir. also it's really cool. You ready for yours? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. All right. What coach in all of GCU's history, including Division II and NAIA, has the most wins as a GCU head coach? Oh, man. See, this is all right. I don't know. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's not a Division I coach. Yeah. I was going to say, Bryce Drew's only been here for like two, like what, three three years? Uh, This would be be three. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't be him. It just like not enough time, and, and even Marley was only around for like six, seven, eight years, something like that. No, uh, it would have been um, six, I think. Yeah. So man, I, I just like. So yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that it would be either of those. Um, I have no idea. Would not it help if I gave you a year? Clue. No. <laughs> From nineteen sixty five to nineteen eighty one. Ben Lindsay had 317 win, wins as the the head coach for for the Lopes. He went a really he went for a record of 317 and 137. So uh he he wow. certainly put his time in as the man at the helm. Yeah. So toast to Ben Lindsay. Shouts to the guy. Oh man, I just looked up this list. Um this is kind of crazy. Do you know that Paul Westfall coached GCU? Yes, I did, and actually, that was my uh, that was my question oh. for for the next episode. Oh, but man. I guess well, uh, then we can just cut that. No, that's okay. Totally it's okay. That. No, that's hilarious. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Dave Brazell also coached. Who yeah, I believe the our baseball field is named after him. Yep. Fun fact. Maybe that. Did I spoil another trivia question there? Which no, head coach no, is our okay. baseball field? I think it's after? funny that both Paul and Bill. Were the coaches. Yeah. And both of them were only there for two years. What a time for the Lopes. How'd you feel about that UT Arlington game? Not good. Um, <laughs> Not good. And I guess like we won by a lot. Um, Here's the deal. I, I think I put something uh 
<laughs> I put I put two things down to talk about for, for UT Arlington. And like I think this perfectly sums up how I feel, which is a uh, bad first half and UT Arlington is terrible. Oh yeah. And I think that's my thoughts is like this team isn't very good. Why are we playing so badly? All right. Hey, I'm Zach, not yeah. Not not to deflect from from the woes that that is GCU basketball. Um if UT Arlington is terrible, what does that make New Mexico State? New Mexico State is just the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> We're like, okay, because like, here's the deal. New Mexico State actually just has a lot of talent. And they're just like underperforming so egregiously, you know? Um, yeah. And like, realistically, I, I was, I was, I was looking at a conversation from some New Mexico State fans and it's like, it is just like, yeah, it seems like um, well, the thing that was was said was um, that Greg Heyer, the coach, has just lost the locker room. Like, he just lost control. And I mean, like, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not, like, close to the situation or the team. But, yeah, it just it just seems like something is wrong. Um, the, the, that team is way too talented to be as terrible as they are. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they fire higher at the end of the season. They probably should. Yeah, just I mean, like, man. I saw this thing on um, Instagram earlier today, and it was this video. Um, it was like when the when the players know more than the coach, and it's like this argument between a player and a coach, and the coach is like, "So why couldn't you guys get a bucket in in, uh, in crunch time?" And the the players like, "Well, because you told us to run flex, and they were in a two three zone. Maybe if you were looking." At what the defense was doing, then you'd know that we shouldn't be running a flex because you said that was for man to man. And the coach was like, Oh, you want to get smart with me? That's how I imagine the uh, New Mexico State locker room is like. Yeah. Definitely not actually, but just made me laugh. Man. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be honest. There were a lot of really good whack games Saturday. And like, New Mexico State, UT Arlington was like not on my board of games I wanted to watch. So I watched none of it. Um, but I was. Like, even like, I was utterly shocked that they lost at home, at, like in the first place. Nevertheless, by 11 to like a horrible team. I just, I don't up. know what to say. They were up at half. Yeah. I know that like almost makes it worse. <laughs> no, it does make it worse. I don't, I don't incredibly know. Incredibly frustrating. I've, I've kept thinking this year, right? Like, okay, they lose to Southern Utah. Like, yeah, like that's a really tough loss, but like, all right, it's game one of conference play. Maybe they weren't ready. So then Utah's pretty good. Okay. They lose game two to Sam Houston. It's like, oh, like, oh, and two, losing a homestand, really tough. But, like, good teams, understandable. Then, or, yeah, they lost. They lose in Stephen F. Austin. It's like, okay, they're a good team on the road, right? And after that, right, oh, and three, it's like, all right, worst case scenario, like, I can actually understand all those losses. After that is where it starts to get bad. It's like you lose at home to Cal Baptist, who come, came off a horrible, like, uh, that was, like, right on the heels of getting blown out by us, I think. Um, at GCU, so that didn't wasn't good, and then they lost in Seattle by a couple. And Seattle's good, or Seattle's all right, but like all right, <laughs> and and it just felt like man, like zero and five, like they're just not getting it done. Surely, surely they'll smoke a, the the worst team in the conference at home. They'll beat UT Arlington, and then that can like get them some momentum to get back on track. Is what I thought. And nope, they they couldn't do it. And now, like I don't know what game they're gonna win, man. They're only going to show up when they play GCU, and it'll be both games. They'll come out, they'll shoot 70% from the field, make us cry, and then go back to losing every single game. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome, though, 
and this would never happen. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Conference USA was just like, yeah, um, sorry, but we're gonna rescind our invitation. We don't want we don't want you guys. That'd be so funny. Dude, that would be really funny. The con- I'm really excited for Conference USA next year. That's going to be a good conference. Yeah, especially if New Mexico State has a different coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jeez. sorry for derailing the GCU conversation. I know that no, that was... No, but, but man. That was they, good I mean, for yeah. we'll, we'll talk about New Mexico State more. They're just a nightmare. But yeah, like UT Arlington, I, I don't think is very good. They were on their own six-game losing streak going into New Mexico state snapping a six game losing. Imagine like you've lost six in a row and it's like, Oh good at New Mexico state. <laughs> like, like what, like this is the twilight zone, man. And then you go smack them. Uh, this is like, this is awesome. UT Arlington has lost nine out of their last 11 games. And the two games they didn't lose are like incredible wins. <laughs> It's like well, at San Francisco. Well, all right. At San Francisco. One's, one's an incredible, incredible win. Incredible for them. At yes. San Francisco and at New Mexico State are the two sure. that they've won. And it's like, all right. Let's okay. go. <laughs> Whatever. It's a momentum builder. All right. That's all I'm saying. And yeah. But but yeah, so I didn't feel any type of way against the Lopes. I felt like the first half, like we were just slow. We came out slow. We came out without energy. We came out unenthusiastic and we got we got our butts kicked and then we like got back into it. But I just like, we can't do that. Like we just can't keep doing that. We do it so often and I'm just sick of seeing it. We did it this, we did it on Saturday too against Cal Baptist and Cal Baptist is a better team than UT Arlington and they made us pay for it. And we've done it in a lot of other games that we've lost and a lot of other games that we've won. And I'm just, I'm sick of us coming out so slow. I don't know why it keeps happening. Well, this is a conversation or I guess a question that encompasses the last few games as a whole, not just the UT Arlington game. How much of it is we are missing Blackshire and YO, or is it just a matter of this is the team that we have and, and, and they're going to have those stretches where, you know, they're going to not be able to score or they're going to have a hard time getting rolling in the first half. Cause we saw it before Blackshire and YO were out. We did. We did. We did. I, I do. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it hurts not having those guys. Um, I don't want to put, I'm, I don't mean to put blame on any particular players, but I think the, the, the question has to be asked, like, what does Josh Baker do? <laughs> I think, you're I think asking this is what his role right? is like, like what is his yeah, role? Like, is that what you're right, asking? So, so yeah, I guess like Harrison, we know what we're going to get from Harrison. And I feel like with with Chance McMillan and Josh Baker, like I have been not so thrilled with their play. And I don't mean just scoring. Like Chance, even Chance McMillan, like he'll score, but like sometimes his decision making is crazy. And like I don't know what the deal is with Josh Baker. Like his shot looks really nice. I don't know. I just feel like he's so inefficient for some reason. Like he just takes bad shots. And I feel like Chance McMillan just turns the ball over a lot. So yeah, I don't know. And I don't know that there's a solution, right? Because I, I don't think that Knox or Ellis are much better. So I, I don't think that like, I think that's just what we're left with without, without Blackshear. But like, gosh, it just isn't great. And Carr is not like, uh, Carr got five minutes in that Cal Baptist game. He struggled. Um, yeah. And he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's a freshman. He just started playing. He missed the first half of the season with the red shirt. So like, I, I don't like, you know, it's going to take time, but yeah, it is. I guess like, it is just one of those things that like, you know, we, we have injuries and we have to make do, but it, it is very evident that we are much worse without Blackshear, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we're really seeing that when it comes to the turnover situation. I, I didn't really notice a lot of turnovers in the Cal Baptist game. And I don't think I did against UT Arlington. Maybe in the we were first definitely half. better about it. We only had nine against Cal Baptist, which was much better than our, than our Texas road trip last. Oh week. yeah. No, the Texas road trip was terrible. I think we actually started the UT Arlington game with, especially in the first half with quite a few turnovers. But then in the second half, when we started shooting lights out, I think it definitely cleaned itself up a little bit. But yeah, we had 16. Or sorry, no, they had 16. 16. We had 17. Okay, yeah. See, we had 17. They had 16. We're definitely seeing the effects of not having Blackshire in the game. And that's, uh, we're not protecting the possession very much. We're not valuing the basketball. Maybe that's a little bit too much of an indictment. But when it comes down to it, the numbers are showing when Blackshire is there, when when he's available, we're keeping the ball. We're not turning it over. Yeah. And then we lose him, and we have 28 turnovers against Sam Houston State. We have some number of double-digit turnovers against Stephen F. Austin and then UT Arlington. It's just frustrating, especially when you're, you're, you're shooting at a clip that we're, we're shooting at, and when you're not scoring at a very high-efficiency rate, um, it, it, it's... This this team is hard to watch, and and I don't want to get into the Cal Baptist game quite yet. But I'll tell you what: first half of UT Arlington and basically the entire Cal Baptist game, I was I was pulling my hair out, Zach. It's so hard to be a Lopes fan, and everybody who's like a Arlington fan is just like, shut up, man. Hey, something I noticed from the UT even Arlington- in that UT Arlington game. Um. Well, okay, so. I positives positives in the UT Arlington game. Uh, we did get the Noah Bauman game. Um, like my goodness, he just went nuts. Yeah, that Um, was fun. So, so that was really fun. And like, obviously it is one of those things where it's like, okay, you're playing a, you're playing a, maybe like a less than great defense. And, uh, a lot of like that second half, like we clearly just like ran them out of the gym. Right. So like it was, it was a different kind of game. So, so Bauman was able to do that, but like, he looked really great. Um, obviously Harrison looked great. Harrison always looks great. McMillan had a pretty good game. Josh Baker played 27 minutes and took four shots. And only made one of them. Didn't really need. So him. I guess like, right. But like, here's, here's my, my thing, right? He, he turned the ball over four times. He, he made one four bucket. shots. Yeah. He only made one of them. He's out there for, he's out there for 27 minutes. Colby Knox only played for 15 minutes and went four for four from the field. Scored 13 points and and had five rebounds and only two turnovers. So, like, I don't know. It's very efficient. Um, but it just seems like even yeah, and and like even in that game, even against UT Arlington, Josh Baker had three points on four shots in 27 minutes. So yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's just hard. It's hard. Um, I don't know what the solution is. We our our bench is not very deep at this point. Um. Because it is like on the bench, it's it's Knox, Bauman, and Gahan, really. Walter Ellis still getting like very few minutes. Um, Landers getting getting very a few random and, like a random sub in, in the first half. Came in and Cal got a text. <laughs> Super weird. We'll talk about that. But like yeah. he came in against UG Arlington and just immediately got a technical foul on the first play. Um, <laughs> so like whatever, man. He was out there doing cardio. He played eight minutes, didn't take a shot, didn't have a rebound, didn't have assist, but committed three fouls and attack. Like. 
All right. <laughs> All right. Lance. Um, it's like I said to you during the game. Um, he 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 went in just uh to log that stat of getting a technical. Yeah. How no, to get a how to get a stat somehow. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when our bench is not very deep. Um, we're really we're really only getting minutes like quality minutes from eight guys, maybe nine if it's a blowout and Ellis is getting more minutes. But really, it's Knox is our guard off the bench. Uh, Bowman is is getting considerable minutes. Uh at the four when when McLaughlin plays the five and then he Gahan is getting minutes like split minutes with Carr at the five um and that's like those eight guys those are the only three guys off the bench and like Gahan honestly I thought he looked pretty decent on Saturday against Cal Baptist I thought that was one of his better games I mean he I only agree. had four points but two for five shooting eight rebounds he fouled out um but he was playing like I think like pretty decent defense um so I liked what I saw from him, but yeah, like even in that game, right? Uh, Landers played for two minutes in the first half, like super randomly that they put him in. I was really confused. Igegon uh, played 16 minutes and fouled out. Uh, Bauman played 22 minutes and had not a very good game. Knox played 20 minutes and had not a very good game, but Baker had not a very good game. So it's like, it seems like we just don't have enough guys who are going to give us efficiency. Uh, you, you'd love to be in the situation of, well, if Baker's not going to like, if he's just going to, if he's not going to shoot um, and he's like, I guess like I, yeah, so this goes back to the original question, right? What is Josh Baker's job? Is I don't there? know the answer. I don't know the answer, Zach. I yeah. don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't either. I don't either. He's a, he's a serviceable guard. Um, yeah. I don't think he's a high, high volume scorer. And I don't think anybody expects him to be. Um, yeah, it's tough. It really is. He had the first shot of the game against Cal Baptist. He had a three. Yep. And then proceeded to go over four from three after that one for six <laughs> in the field after that. So. Yikes. Yeah. I don't know. Harrison Harrison, like by his standards had not a very good game. He had 17 points, but it was really inefficient. He went over six from three, six or 15 from the field. McLaughlin is a monster. McLaughlin went sickle mode in that game. Um, are are you like, talking about the Cal Baptist games? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. McLaughlin no, had a DeAndre Ayton game, but yeah. um whatever. Hey I don't know. On, on the UT Arlington yeah. game. So one of the commentators for the GCU broadcast said that YO is gonna be available in two weeks. Okay. Great. I honestly like that <laughs> your, sounded kind your of sarcastic. Eyes just lit up. That was awesome. No, that sounded sounded kind of sarcastic. But like, like that's actually awesome. Like, uh, please, please. Yeah, please. no, but we want them at a hundred percent, not just hey. We do. We do. You know what? You can service us with a sixty percent effort and like two Listen, minutes a game. Here's why. Here's why that's so huge. And maybe this is like I'm crazy for this. I would rather have Noah Bauman at the three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than Josh Baker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think Baker. I think Baker would do better with the bench unit. All right, here's the comparison I'm going to make. You don't get to watch a lot of Suns games, do you? No, I don't. All right. Baker is our Landry Shamit. <laughs> um, for those of you that, that are listening to this that are also Suns fans, you're probably giggling right now because Suns fans kind of roast Landry Shamit. Like, we don't like him. But here's the deal about Landry Shamit. When he was in the starting lineup, he just, with like Booker got injured, uh, 
Booker's been out for a long time. And so when Booker first got injured, they just plugged him into the starting lineup. So it's like all the usual, it's Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mikel Bridges, like all the guys and Landry Shamit. And what happened is Shamit just didn't know what to do because like Chris Paul is going to run one of the two plays he runs where he's going to like get a pick and roll and like throw an oop to Ayton or shoot an elbow jumper or like Mikel's going to run a spread ball screen and just like option five different passes. And like Shamit just doesn't know what to do in that. Um, and so he like was just really bad. And then what happened is we started putting Shamit on the bench. Uh, he would come off the bench. And so then you have Shamit on the floor with like Josh Kogi and Jock Landale and Damian Lee. And then all of a sudden, like it just activated Landry Shamit. And he's like, oh, like I just get to have the ball and like run ISO. And then he like scored. He's seriously scored. Like he had like three 30 point games in like a two week span. Where he just went nuts. <laughs> and I think that Josh Baker could be like that. I think he gets lost out there on the floor because like we kind of know what the Lopes are going to do when they when they take it down with this starting lineup, which is like we can we can feed, um, we can feed Carr inside because he's he's there. Um or Harrison can can or McLaughlin. Or McLaughlin. Well, for McLaughlin, what it is is usually he's he's coming off some off-ball screen, diving inside, or he's in some sort of pick and roll. Um for he's an option to get a pass chance is kind of in his bag right but i feel like we just don't and like maybe this is maybe this is like coaching maybe this is by design i feel like we don't really run plays for josh baker i I haven't seen very many plays this year where like the result of the play is like and josh baker gets a shot well Um, here's the thing you you said like whereas i think mcmillan gets down down court you know he's in his bag he's getting his way to the basket or like against cal baptist he was hitting some mid-range jumpers um and then Rayshon Harrison is the guard who's always getting to the basket and probably drawing a foul or making some acrobatic circus yeah. circus shot, you know. Um, Josh Baker does not seem like a downhill guard. I have, nope. Like you said, I have not seen him get into the rack at a high frequency. He's just not just, very yeah. downhill. And I think that's kind of holding the lopes back because like with the Sam Houston game or Sam Houston State game, like we talked about last week, not a lot of paint penetration. And when it comes to Josh Baker, I'm not seeing him get downhill, getting those paint touches, you know, playing inside out. So that you're, you're totally right on yeah. with that. Baker needs a shot created for him. I think, I guess that's just what I'm trying to say. Um, or he's going to take a three. Could be really, right. And like that, it's so like the first three of the game was a good shot, right? Cause it like, it happened to fall in his lap, this like play, that resulted in him just kind of being right place, right time kind of thing. And then after that, it looked like there was not a Josh Baker play ever again. Um, yeah. And I, I just like, I don't know. Um, I wonder if we, if obviously we don't have the depth for this, right. But if we have a world where YO is back and we can start McLaughlin and, and like uh, Bauman can start at the three, like I would actually like to see uh, Baker comes off the bench for Harrison and then he's more on ball. Sure. Um, because maybe that like maybe that would help is, is having him be a more on ball guy because it does seem like generally speaking in most of our plays Harrison is going to get the ball uh, like he's going to be pretty ball heavy and Chance McMillan also is pretty ball heavy like he's he's just you know he's got his bag he's got lots of moves um, he's going to drive he, he's really aggressive at getting to the hoop Harrison's really aggressive getting to the hoop and uh, Baker's not Baker's an off ball more of an off ball guard and. It seems like we, as an offense, just generally don't do a good job of moving the ball and getting guys open. Yep. 
Ball and movement so, and player movement. Yeah, right. So that like those guys who drive and like get to the line or drive and kick like like McMillan and Harrison, uh, they get shots, they get points. And guys like Baker seems like they're running around looking for the opportunity to get open or looking for like the screen that's going to get them open and it doesn't ever come. Yeah, you're right. So you're it's right. hard. And, and I don't think there's a solution because I don't think we have the depth for it without Blackshear. I don't know that Kobe Knox would be any better, but it's tough. It's really tough to watch. Yeah. I uh, I texted my dad. He was at the game, actually. And I was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> and all he said was, rain in threes, you know. Hey, GCU hit 14 threes in that game. That's the second time that they've done that in conference play. Did you know that? Wow. Second time in conference play. Um, pretty impressive. Do you want to move into the play of the game? Yeah. I don't think this is a good play. <laughs> no, it's not a good play, but it's a nice move. <laughs> All right. Chance is just sick, dude. The, the old- exactly... When I say like chance just goes in his bag, this is exactly the kind of thing I envision. Like the play breaks down. Josh Baker doesn't know what to do. So like, I'm going to drive into four people and make the craziest move I've ever seen and make a layup. Exactly. But yeah, no, it starts with the spread ball screen. That starts with, uh, with chance McMillan and they're not able to get anything out of it. Um, but it goes, it goes back out to Baker and they set up another spread ball spring, sorry, spread ball screen with him, not able to get anything out of it, but we do have Aiden Gahan kind of pinning his guy down on the block. And so they're trying, they're looking for maybe a lob over the top and not able to get anything out of it. But then ball comes back over to the far corner for chance McMillan. And now both Ige Han and um, McLaughlin are, are sealing their guys off and they're sealing them up high. So they, they got basket side on them. And then that just allows chance McMillan to, to like you said, cook just gets in his bag and he makes a nice little step through on that one. Yeah, no, that, I mean, like, that's a great, that's like a classic chance McMillan move of like the play kind of breaks down and he just drives into traffic and makes a play. We see that a lot from, we see him drive in and make a play or drive in and get fouled and go to the line. That's, and that's like the kind of creation that he provides is like, we, Baker had a hard time getting inside. Um, He got the screen from McLaughlin, couldn't really get inside, had to, has to reset the ball, tries again, has to reset the ball. Eight, uh, when, when chance catches the ball on the outside, He's got eight seconds on the shot clock. His defender's giving him too much space. IG's pinning, or why, uh, Gayon's pinning that guy inside. And so he can just drive uh, and see what happens. And what happens is he makes a really nice move and, and makes a layup. But, but yeah, that, that's, that's like, this is good, like, good both awareness and aggressiveness uh, by, by McMillan. It's actually hilarious because if you look at the still, the still frame of the shot going up, <laughs> there are two lopes standing out on the three-point line ready for a kick out uh, both baker and harrison and every single one of the ut arlington defenders are inside the restricted area under the basket it's yeah. actually hilarious yeah no there's <laughs> four guys like on top of him and he somehow gets the shot off yep <laughs> and it goes in what a what a legend 
What a legend. It was a great play. Yep, it was. Well, not a great play. A great not a great play. A great move. Great shot. A great move. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, great do you move. wanna do you wanna pick the player of the game for us? Yeah, I think like I think the, the argument can always be made that it's Rayshon Harrison. Um yep. and and like maybe it is. I, I gotta go with Noah Bauman for this one, I think. Um he, okay. he led the lobes in scoring with 19 points. Uh, seven and, and all, like a pretty efficient 19 points, seven for 11 from the field, four for seven from three. Um, he, he didn't have a single turnover, which sometimes is something I worry about with him. He played 24 minutes without turning the ball over. He led the team in scoring. He just looked really good. Um, I know we've said like, this is a guy who's just been a knockdown shooter at a much higher level, right? In the SEC, his role was just coming off the bench and be a knockdown shooter. And, uh, we saw that against UT Arlington. Like he just looked really good. Yeah, he did. Well, and, and it wasn't just him looking really good. He, he he and Ellis both were making some threes, and it uh it really opened up the second half for us. And I think we got awesome opportunities in the in the two point field goal area because of the threes falling. And and then obviously when you're just be able, when you're able to shoot three like that, it's the game just opens up. It's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. The prob the problem is is. I think GCU relies so much on the three ball becoming such a factor for them to open up the inside when you'd like for the inside to open up the outside instead. Yeah. So that's just, that's just a little bit of a critique and, and I don't have any answers. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe that's something that comes with the hopeful return for YO. So, yeah. Awesome. Any other thoughts on the UT Arlington game? No, um, no. Okay, we just awesome. got to we got to come out better than that. Yeah. Now it's now it's therapy time. Group therapy session here yeah. for let it for all out. Fans. This is a safe space. Okay. Hey, that Cal Baptist game, I it really it really had me in a mood. Let's just say that, and it wasn't necessarily a thing where I thought that the Lopes played poorly offensively this time. Cause granted they, they scored in the seventies. They scored in the seventies, which is very rare for us. Um, at least when it comes to when we're playing comparable opponents, but Hey, defensively, we looked awful, just terrible. And I don't know if it was a matter of them just being better than us in this game, particularly, if it was the environment or if we were just, if we didn't show up, but I think that that first, first like five minutes, we were stride for stride with each other, knocking down shots, both ends of the floor. And then all of a sudden it was just like, they, they kept hitting shots and we weren't, and they kept getting into the paint and we weren't, it was very frustrating. Yeah. We, I mean, we did shoot atrociously, which shot 18% from three, which is terrible. They just shot like they shot an unbelievable clip from three. They were 45%. We also just didn't play defense, though, is uh, you said you actually uh, said exactly you predicted exactly what was going to happen in the first half. I don't, I don't know if you know this. Um, you what happened was early on, they were just shooting the lights out from three. Right. And, and you said something like we need to not well, because they're shooting so well, we need to not fall for it and, and get dragged out by shooters. So they can oh, are you you're talking about what I was texting you? Yeah. And and that that's exactly what we did is is what i noticed after you sent that is that like they started making a bunch of shots and so we um we just ran them off the line right more so than we would normally and because of that uh they were able to get the ball inside way more than we would like especially 
with, given that we don't have YO, right? Our inside presence is not good. When teams get the ball inside against us, 80% of the time, it's we're either going to foul them or they're going to score. Um, yeah, there were a lot so, of fouls in that game. I think we were in double bonus with like eight minutes left or something. Yeah, just re- like Tough. really rough, really rough. I I don't know. Like they just, you know, they shot really well. And sometimes the team just shoots the lights out and you just got to just got to shrug your shoulders and say, all right. Yeah, it, it felt particularly frustrating. It just felt like they they just shot really well. And they did. Um, we did a good job of not turning the ball over. Uh, our offense looked stagnant as usual. Um, our defense looked really bad. That was what was really concerning to me. Yeah. Hey, I think the only person that was more frustrated with that game than I was was Taron Armstrong. Buddy could not cook against us. That's the only bright spot of our defense is we held Taron Armstrong to, I think he had what? I think he had, yeah, seven or eight. Um, And a lot of times he would like get down low and could not even get a shot off. So the the Lopes did really well against him, but his brother went absolutely berserk from three point land. I think he was four for six from the, yeah, Trey Armstrong. He he went, yeah, four for six from three. And yeah, it, it was, it was a tough game for the Lopes defensively. And, and yeah, I'm looking at those texts that I sent you, which, I sent you quite a few in that game. I'm sure you were pretty, pretty annoyed with how often I was texting. No, you. I, I wasn't. I was annoyed with our basketball team. <laughs> hey, but yeah, no, I said Lopes can't start selling out on the three ball. They need to stay home. And I mean, after that, it was just a matter of um, selling out on the three ball, closing out really high, trying to get them to stop. I said they're not gonna, they're not gonna shoot at that high of a percentage the entire game we can't treat them like they're going to either and and frankly they didn't but when they got in the paint that's when they started really smashing us when they actually started looking like they were better at basketball than us not that they could just shoot threes you know all right it's story time okay story you know, time Hit story. Me yes I did. when i was in high school i was a junior um i was i was playing for, for my school team at phoenix christian um and i I was pretty much the starting. I don't even know what position I was. I started every game my junior year. Um, our team was not very good. Um, I was like a, I was like a, I was a center on defense and a shooting guard on offense. Um, it's the way it goes. And we we played in a tournament early in the season, and in that tournament we played a team called Yonkers. Um, Yonkers. Yonkers is a pretty good team. They're also a bigger school. I think they're like a three A or a four A. So they're a bigger school, and. Uh, we were playing some, somewhere where this tournament was, and the Yonkers absolutely murdered us from downtown in this game. And I remember the they had this announcer at like, and it wasn't at Yonkers; it was like at the tournament site. And they had this announcer that every time someone hit a three, they would go like four three, and it was like the <laughs> most annoying thing ever. Uh, and so what happened was we're playing Yonkers, and. This guy just, just like this team just absolutely murked us from three. Like this team probably hit 23 pointers in that game. Yeah. And I remember our coach telling us that same thing of like, stay home. Don't let them get the ball inside. Uh, don't let them drive on you. Get a hand in their face. And like, if they make it, they make it. And they did all game long. They just absolutely torched us. Um, and so late in the game, we're, we're down probably by 20 at this point because they're just knocking down every three imaginable. We we decide, like, we decide, hey, we're just going to run them off the line. Um, we're just, they're not, these guys are not hitting any more threes on us. Um, and so what happened is they didn't, 
And instead, they just drove and kicked to their 6'9 big men who I couldn't guard. And he absolutely dumpstered me for the last 10 minutes of the game. And I think we ended up losing by like 35-40. Um, is, is there a happy ending to this story? No, there's not. And and oh, similar okay. to the Cal Baptist scheme, uh, sometimes you just lose. True. Which is what our coach told us in the post-game locker room. Sometimes well, you just lose. I was asking that because I was hoping like, hey, maybe you guys played Yonkers later in the season, you know? And then they weren't no, able we to didn't. shoot at such a high percentage, even though you guys stayed and kind of packed the line. But dang it, no, no happy ending. We never played them again. <laughs> Shoot. Shoot. Yeah. Hey, they went I did on to make something... state, and we went on to win two games. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> hey, I did see something on Twitter. Um, can't remember who it was or what account it was on, but um, they said something like the CBU fans and, and the team, for that matter, tr- they were treating that game like it was the championship. Yeah, someone replied, you're right. Somebody replied to one of my tweets with that. Last night, CBU treated this game as if it was their national championship, their game of the season. Winning on the road is tough. That yeah, was I, someone's response. My yeah. gloom and doom for the game. And I also uh, I also said at the, at the end of the game to you, I texted you saying, these people are literally going to rush the court. That's such a little brother yeah. attitude. No, I'm uh, glad they didn't, though, because that would have been really embarrassing for them. Yeah, I think it's funny... Um, a couple of days ago, there was like an argument in the in the comment. Most of the arguments I get in are just in the comment sections of a Whack Hoops Digest post. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is like my favorite thing about Whack Twitter is like Whack Hoops Digest just posts some like really objective stat of just like here's the rankings according to the math, and then everyone just like goes ballistic and starts yelling at him. Like that's like a hundred percent of his replies, and I just I think it's like really funny. Um, but there was somewhere where they was talking about like rivalries. And what got brought up was Cal Baptist and GCU. And, and the, the thing that GCU fans are saying. I'm glad you're bringing this up, like, actually. Yeah, because we, we got to talk about this. Because yeah. um, I, I noticed it when I went to Cal Baptist for the game several years ago. And watching it on TV, I was just giggling. Um, how like, But the thing that was brought up is like, Cal Baptist is just copy-paste Grand Canyon. Like, it's very evident. Like, they yeah. are. And, and so the thing that was brought up was like, well, like, isn't that a good thing? And I would say, I would say, yeah, right? Uh, what GCU, the model GCU is doing is good. And with the evidence that it's good is other teams are now copying that model as like a really good way to both grow your school and, and make your basketball team better or more interesting. And Cal Baptist has used that model and their basketball teams are really good. Their women's basketball team for a while, there was one of the best teams in the country. Um, and their men's team has found like, like the Lopes pretty immediate success in their D one years. Uh, with that being said, it is comical how similar they are um that's that's where i'm hung hung up on it zach is yes like you know impersonation is the best form of flattery or whatever they say i'm pretty sure that's not the exact word hey but um for me it's more so like i would be so embarrassed because like you said it is copy and paste you know one two three lance up and not only are they doing that with Right. Yeah, it's that, literally, that was just it's killing literally me. the freaking, that was killing me. It's the the Louisville hand signal, right? That's the exact thing that Louis, Louisville does. Yeah. And hey, I just thought that was funny because I've actually never known of another school to do something like that. And so the fact that they do like with the exact same cadence that their crazy leaders, which I'm sure they're called, um, do. Um, yeah, there was a stretch in that game where they they hit a couple of free throws and then immediately. Did the did, like did the Lance up thing and then immediately went into a commercial 
uh, for Cal Baptist talking about find your purpose. And I was just dying. I was like, this is great. Like I'm in a twilight zone where like it's GCU doesn't actually exist. And like the founders went to Riverside instead. And I was just like losing my mind. It's the same school, dude. It, it is. <laughs> and, and, and here's where it frustrates me is wouldn't you be so embarrassed? Wouldn't you be embarrassed? Being like a Cal Baptist fan, knowing that it's just copy paste GCU. But do they know a little bit? Do they know? Yeah, I, 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 I Zach, there's, there's I one know. thing, there's one thing trying to emulate a culture and yeah. like, you know, trying to make your own traditions and, and, and keep everybody engaged and, and, and make the, the experience exciting for the fans and literally doing the same exact thing. Like right. for me as yeah. an athletic director, when we do starting lineups at our high school games, we use the same song that GCU does for their starting lineups. And here's the thing. I don't care about that copy and paste because first of all, we're in Helena, Montana. The You're only people. School. Yeah. And we're a high school. Nobody, right. nobody in the gym has been to a GCU game except for me and maybe like one or two other people. Right. But it's like CBU and GCU are in the same conference. They're at the same level in the NCAA. And it's literally so I was like secondhand embarrassed for them watching that the Lance up thing in particular. Yeah. I, I just, Oh man. And, and it is their, their, their arena looks various, very similar. Dude. I love their arena. And the, Zach, it looks like they have curtains up above that is made for space that they can expand later on. Yeah. And so they can have, like I a, actually really like their arena. It's really different from GCU's arena. It looks similar on TV. It's really different. How is it but really I really different? like it. Um, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like there should be sporting events in there. I'm be honest. <laughs> is the difference like when well, you're in the, the concourse of GCU, you're like, yeah, like this is where basketball games are. When you're in the concourse of Cal Baptist, you're like, I am going to listen to a TED talk. Like I'm going to go watch a play. It it feels very like so. It has a different vibe. Um, I my what I remember is I do remember them being different. Um, I really like their gym, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think like, yeah, it's very evident that, that, um, Cal Baptist made the attempt to kind of take a lot of what GCU was doing and use it for their model <clears throat> because there's some things that GCU does really well that, that it makes sense that other schools will want to emulate. Grand Canyon has one of the best student cultures of any small school in the country. Right. And that's small because school, of, whoa. <laughs> Just maybe just in the country at all. Well, small school being like not power conference, right? Because like sure, sure, sure. If you go to, if you go to like an SEC basketball game, if you go to an ACC basketball game, like their fans are going to be nuts. Of course they are. But like, how many like how many like mid major college basketball games have fans as crazy as the Lopes? Like not very many. Gonzaga, Us? and do they count? Yeah, right. Teams that are like actually crazy. Like okay, uh, teams that are good, right? Teams that are good. If they're good, the people go. If they're bad, people won't. Um. In, in Cal, Cal Baptist, right, is that same type of vibe. But then there's teams that are really good and have nobody there, right? Like when we played in Sam Houston and there were like 13 people there. <laughs> Every time we would play at Chicago State and it was like, there's the athletic director. He's the only guy, right? Um, which played is like Stephen sad. F. Austin and, and, and the athletic director yeah. is literally taping the padding back to the, the backboard. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it's, it's sad. Uh, so I guess like to say, I don't, yeah, I don't take anything away from Cal Baptist as an institution. I think it's smart that given that they're like ideally kind of similar to GCU and that like they're a small private, you know, small Christian university um, that's like making the transition to division one 
with an emphasis on basketball, right? Uh, they want to make sure that they have a, a good culture. It makes sense that they would model that after GCU. It's, it is just humorous and perhaps, like you said, embarrassing that it's like more than it seems modeled after and actually just copy pasted. Yeah. Yeah. I, but it doesn't really bother me. I just thought it was, yeah, I, I did think like, man, this is so crazy that like it's the same, like it's the same thing. Do you, uh, do you think this game brings the rivalry question, make it more relevant? Mm, Cause now that no. New Mexico state's leaving, like who do we got? I think it's a rivalry. I would say, I think it's a rivalry. I, I think it's a rivalry. I know. I know that I don't like them more than I, before that game yeah i think it's a I, I would say it's a rivalry um just by the nature of they're trying to be us and we are in the same place um yeah. and they they really want to beat us they want to beat us so badly yeah. i think we're the game circled on their schedule yeah i would absolutely so like yeah um sure it's a rivalry um i think especially once new mexico state is gone uh it'll it'll continue to, to be a rivalry um i'm just glad you know I'm glad their Part shirts of, didn't say CBU beat GCU. The shirts, the shirts are kind of cool. <laughs> the ones from last cool. night? Yeah, they looked cool. I didn't see them. I think part of what makes a rivalry great is time, and that's something this lacks. Like, we've played, like, what, eight, nine times? Sure. Um. So that that's something that, like, yeah, I don't know at what point it actually becomes a rivalry. Like, can you say it's a rivalry with a team you played ten times? Like, I, I don't know. I think it, at the least we can say, like, it's a developing rivalry. I'm fine with calling it that. Um, it seems like there's, you know, uh, the, the teams are pretty competitive. Um, the the schools are very similar. They're they're probably they're pretty close to each other as far as like they might be the closest whack school to us. So yeah, I think it's probably um, Dixie State. No, uh, no, you're right. It is right. Riverside. Riverside's like five hours. Yeah, I think Dixie State would be six. Yeah, maybe maybe five or six. Yeah. Hey, um, my last thought on that game. So yesterday I, I was coaching in a game and um, we were playing for the two seed in, in the state tournament yesterday and um, conference rival. We already played them on the road. They beat us by 14. We needed to beat them by 15 to get the, uh, the two seed uh, that didn't end up being in the cards at the end of the game. We were at, we were up by like four with two minutes left. And um one of their players, we got caught up in a, a jump ball situation. Um, and one of our girls tried to rip the ball away from her. <laughs> and she did it like she was, she was very aggressive in trying to get it out. So she pulls at it and kind of whips around, but the girl wouldn't let go of the ball. And she ends mm-hmm. up getting slammed on the floor. And I was like, yeah, super proud of sometimes. Our, yeah, no, but I was like super proud of our team for, for being super physical but the girl yeah. got up off the floor and she was like really emotional and she goes up to her coach and I heard her say, I don't want to play anymore. And I was like, man, this is a high school game. Yeah. This was a high school game. That was the same. Oh. That's the same moment of like, I'm proud of my girls for being physical as I was when, um, Aiden Gahan, I wouldn't to say accidentally elbowed Taryn Armstrong in the face. Cause I don't think that should have been yeah. called a, did they call it a flagrant or a technical or whatever? I don't think oh, that was yeah, intentional whatsoever. But uh, yeah, being Dude, physical. What was pouring from that guy's nose? Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, I don't want him to get hurt, obviously. But also, I'm glad our guys were being physical. And I'm glad that Taryn Armstrong had 
a very quiet game. Oh, my other last thought. GCU wins that game on a neutral court. Just saying. Yeah. Even with this depleted lineup. Yeah, I agree. So here's what I'll say. Um, well, we'll we'll get into this uh when we talk about like the whack as a whole, but like I just any anybody can win any game ever. Yeah. I have three takeaways from this weekend from like okay. not, not just the GCU game from all the whack games. Go ahead and hit me with them. Any right now. whack team can beat any other whack team if they're at home. Yeah. Like no rude no road game is ever a sharpie until the game's over. <laughs> Doesn't matter who and where. Um there are any of eight teams, I think, that can seriously win Lack Vegas. Like nobody is nobody is is so good that they're untouchable. Everyone can lose and everyone ha- like will lose. Everyone has lost, but Seattle and Seattle's terrible. So, like, realistically, Seattle's not terrible. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Don't so funny out. that you say that because last night you were saying they were sick, and I said, they were "Settle sick. down, buddy. All right, settle so, down." So that's number two. Is is there seriously? Uh, there are eight teams I think that could win Whack Vegas, and it's just going to be. It is like, and it kind of sucks that it's like this. Of like, the whole regular season just doesn't matter at all, and it's just whoever wins the three games or four games in Vegas is going to make it. And that's exactly right. And it's the the league is so competitive that like, yeah, uh, I actually like. So it is nice to kind of know like I think GCU is good enough to win the Whack if they go on a run, and I don't really care what happens. In the regular season. Like, I do. Obviously, I do. But it is like, yeah, like a, a loss here and there doesn't bother me. Like, if we go in as the three seed or if we go in as the seven seed, I, I think it doesn't matter. Sure, sure. I don't. It doesn't matter at all. Um, you got a third one? And the third thing is there will not be a whack team winning. Yeah. The third one is there will not be a whack team winning an NCAA tournament game. Hey, do you think any whack team deserves higher than a 14 seed at this point? There's only one rational answer. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to project because what's going to happen the answer is yes, and here's why. Um, what's going to happen is other teams, like, other bids are going to get stolen. Other bids are going to get stolen. So, like, you look at other, like, you look at the teams right now on the 12-13 line. How many of those teams are going to not win their conference championship, and instead the team that wins it is going to be, like, a mid-team, you know? So, like, okay. if you look if you look at it, it's, like, um, the obviously the 16 seeds are, like, not very good. Okay, your you're, uh, you're 15 seeds right now are Stetson- SIU Edwardsville, Samford, and Eastern Washington. I would say there's like six, five whack teams better than those guys that like would be higher than them. The four teams are UMass, Lowell, Colgate, Troy, and Siena. I would say like, yeah, those those six teams are also better than all of those teams. Hey, did you know that Elvis Presley went to UMass Lowell for a semester? Really? Yeah, crazy. Wow. <laughs> crazy. Shout out to um, Ion, Ion College Basketball Podcast. Anyways, sorry. Cool. <laughs> All right. 13 seeds are Santa Barbara, Indiana State, Princeton, and Oral Roberts. And I would say, yeah, a lot of whack teams fall here. I think a, I think like the top three or four are aligned with like Santa Barbara, Oral Roberts, I think. Oral Roberts is pretty sick. Princeton. I, I would say even better than Princeton, maybe. They're pretty gotcha. sick. They're pretty good. Gotcha. Uh, Princeton, like... Indiana State. So so that's that's what I think. But then you have to look at it like this too, right? Like the 12 seed, um, Utah Valley's on the 12 line. So that's that's one thing. Uh Kent State, Dayton, Florida Atlantic. Um, like this is what we have to to consider. And and this is why I would say, yeah, I think I think there's a very good chance that any number of teams could get a 13 seed. Um what conference is Florida Atlantic in? 
FAU is in conference, is conference USA. USA. Yeah, they're sixteen and one, and they have the longest win streak in the in the. Okay. No, second longest yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, they're sixteen and one. They're on the twelve line. They're really cool. What's going to happen if Rice gets the auto bid? FAU is not going to make it, and Rice is going to be a fifteen seed, right? And that's the kind of thing that can happen. Um all over the place, right? UC Santa Barbara is really good, but the big West is pretty competitive. What's going to happen if UC Santa Barbara actually gets beat by Hawaii, right? And then Hawaii is going to get a 15 and those other teams are going to move up. That's the kind of stuff that will happen. Uh, some of these AQs on the 12 and 13 line are not going to make it right. Princeton, I think is in that same boat. So, um, so I don't know. I think it's totally possible that a whack team gets a 13. I think it's also possible, but unlikely that a whack team gets the 12 seed. I think, uh, Utah Valley being on the 12 seed now, given that's before their loss, makes sense. They were on an 11 game winning streak. They looked really nice. They beat Sam Houston badly, but now that they have lost, uh, and Sam Houston has three losses and GCU has lost again. No one, no one in this conference should be on the 12 line. I think I agree. And I, I don't think, think anyone I, at this conference will win a game on the 13 line. If I were, if I were to make a bet or a projection, I would say 14 is where the wax going to end up. That's probably, that's probably right. Also, I wanted to answer a question that was asked to Wack Hoops Digest on Twitter. Somebody asked if Sam Houston State still has a chance to get an at-large bid for the tournament. And I just quickly want to answer that. The answer is no. They do not. They have three conference losses. Nobody in a non-Power 5 conference or the West Coast Conference or maybe Conference USA is going to make it in with three conference losses. Yep. I think one loss is the limit there. I think they could lose one game to Utah Valley on the road. Yep. If you lose Utah Valley on the road, if you go 15 and one and then like somehow lose the championship game to Utah Valley or something like sure. Two bid whack. Um, That hope is dead. Um, The next thing that came up was like, well, could Utah Valley get a at large bid before they lost to Seattle? No, no, they lost at home. Yeah. I think even before that loss to Seattle, could they have done it? I think no is the answer. Uh, they're they're nobody had a good enough uh, preseason or uh, you know in the non-conference, no one had a good enough resume to get an at-large except for Sam Houston. And Sam Houston now has three conference losses, so at-large whack is dead. Um, which which like isn't a surprise to anyone. Um, and and the conference is really competitive. So what it means is, and this is like the the expression commonly used in professional sports. I think is true here is never get too high. Never get too low. The kids have to keep their eyes on the prize here, right? No team is going to get an at-large bid. It, the resumes don't matter at this point. What matters is getting better, preparing for WAC Vegas, putting yourself in a situation where you can win at WAC Vegas, whether that be winning games now to get a higher seating or trying things out, fine-tuning your lineups, your plays, your defenses, stuff like that. That's what these games are, are about. And obviously, like, yeah, you want to win, right? GCU has, like, 15 games left. You want to see them win those games. But whether they win or whether they lose, it's going to come down to the three games in Vegas that determine whether or not they make the NCAA tournament. Maybe four if they don't end up top four. Yeah. And that's hey, remember, fine. Remember when you said that GCU could run the table? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I felt really high after that Sam Houston win. Even though we lost to Stephen F. Austin two days later. I still do. I, I, I guess like, here's what I'll say. There's not a single game on our schedule that I don't think we can win. I think that's always been the case, except for maybe a few times just, with New Mexico State in the past. I just didn't feel like, yeah, but I just didn't feel like that with Sam Houston. I really thought there's no way we're going to win in Sam Houston. 
this year. Okay. And then we did. And after that, I, so, so I guess that's maybe what I meant is like, there's no game on here that we can't win. And I still think that's true. I don't think we're going to end up, I don't think we're going to win the next 15 or 12 or however many it is, but like, yeah. What, like what are our hardest games at Seattle is a pretty tough one. Do we, we actually kind of have a nice schedule? Uh, Utah at, Valley at Utah. Is, is the next one. Like we're actually favored to win. Yeah. That dude, that seems pretty good. Uh, and then we have New Mexico state twice. Like, I think we can win those games. I mean, yeah, New Mexico mm-hmm. State's terrible. Like, honestly, they could totally beat us. Like, we could totally lose to New Mexico State twice yeah. still. Yeah, you watched the first half of UT Arlington. Yeah, they just hate us so much. Not a rival. So, yeah. Not a rival. No, not a rival. Not a rival. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we are. Before we move on to more whack stuff, can we do play of the game for, for the uh, Cal Baptist Cal game? Baptist? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Bauman. McMillan. Far wing. That's Harrison. Drive it inside. That's Kobe Knox. Kobe Knox wearing that purple, looking like Kobe Bryant on that dunk. Wow. Big time throwdown by Knox. Makes it 35-23. So the possession is initiated with a dribble handoff from Chance McMillan to Rayshon Harrison on the far side of the court. Bauman's dive into the basket from the, from the wing as Aiden Gahan pops up at the top of the key. He's going to swing the ball over to Kobe Knox, who's going to toss it back over in a ball reversal to Noah Bauman, who's going to run another dribble reversal on the far side. What's going to happen here is the ball is going to get swung back around to Kobe Knox on the near side wing, and the middle of the lane is just kind of open. All he really has is Aiden Gahan posting up on the near side block, and then everybody else is kind of on the other side of the court. And so the, the lane's just wide open for for Kobe Knox, and he's just going to go in. And he's going to slam it down one-handed. It's a pretty sweet play. That's a that's an athletic play by by Knox. It's funny too because the commentator says that he's playing like Kobe Bryant. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, going back to what was said previously about our boy Josh Baker, this is the kind of thing that Josh Baker doesn't do. Um, and and I think what what that what what this is uh, it's like really good ball movement, really good really good job by the players to move off the ball. And this is the thing that we just sometimes don't do. And I, I don't know why sometimes we don't, when we do, we get plays like this, but a lot of times we don't. And then we dribble around for 28 seconds and take a bad shot. So I don't know. Kobe Knox, uh, that, that's a really explosive play. Um, he's really explosive. He's got a lot of talent. We, we, we know, we know this about him is, is he's kind of young. He's got a lot of talent, but um, maybe suspect decision-making um, and, and makes a lot of mistakes but he's he's great. That's a great play. Both like his movement prior to the actual dunk, uh, and then just the athletic move. Yeah, the athletic finish. Yeah. It looks like this play is very similar to a continuity ball screen, just with dribble handoffs instead of primarily ball screens. But no, it's a yeah. it's a it's a cool thing to see Kobe Knox getting up there. And like we said, he had a really a really solid game against Cal Baptist. So I feel like that's fitting that he should get the play of the game. Let's move on to our honorable mention. Baker floats it up to McLaughlin, and that was a highlight reel dunk as McLaughlin throws it down. 26-19. Really all I got to say about this one is just a really nice pick and roll between Josh Baker and Gabe McLaughlin. And it actually looks that like Josh Baker gets downhill a little bit here, but what's really nice about this play is off the pick and roll action, Baker just throws up a nice little lob for for Gabe McLaughlin and, and Gabe catches it with his left hand 
and then slams it with both hands. It's <laughs> actually yeah. a really, really cool athletic play. Good finish. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a good. I mean, good awareness by by Baker. Um, Baker is is given given space there, um, so he's able to get to the elbow and throw that lob up. Yeah, good good play. McLaughlin's just he's really athletic, man. And he had a, he had a good he had a really good game on the low. He had a, like maybe like from a stats perspective, maybe his best game of the year. It seemed like it. So on eight, that same eight, note, do you want to pick the player of the game? <laughs> I don't. You don't want to pick it. No, I, I, I don't. I don't want to pick it. I, I mean, no, I, I really don't. I okay. think it's Gabe McLaughlin. It, it, it certainly is. That, that's but what like, I wanted you to pick. And... Yeah, it's McLaughlin. I mean, he's the man. Um, but like, golly gee, Pa, that was not a good game. And I, <laughs> you don't want to, you you want to punish the team by not giving them a player of the game. Yeah, none of you were player of the game. We lost, we lost to Cal Baptist. We lost <laughs> to, we lost to Grand Riverside University. So. <laughs> Our boy, our boy Matt Hawkins, uh, had a conversation during the game. Uh, three texts total were sent over the course of this game, and this is what it was. Uh, and this, I, I think, was eight seventeen p.m., so probably like eight minutes into the game. Uh, yeah. Maybe we get a hand up on a shooter? Question mark. <laughs> My response to that is, might work. We could try it. And then he said, if we lose, I'm disowning this team. <laughs> and then uh, I didn't respond to that, and that was that was it. And. Uh, <laughs> So Matt, if you're listening to this, uh, he's no, not, not cause you he's me. not, yeah, he's not listening because he disowned the Lopes. I just thought like he's a big Grand Riverside dude, the, University the Lopes, fan now. Grand Riverside University. The Lopes are making me sad, man. This was <laughs> this just like this hurt. Uh, I don't know. Cal Baptist is not bad. Like they're all right, uh, dude. They're not. They're not. Good. To me, they're Seattle U. To me. Dude, no, don't even do that. Seattle like, U deserves better than that. I'm, I, I know that we don't like them here, but no, no, no. But what, I think they do this. They're like, no, I, I actually, I'm gonna die on this hill. I mean it. Uh, I think they're both teams that shoot really well and are sneaky, athletic. But like, that's it. Like, that's it. They just like occasionally shoot the lights out, and uh, they make like highlight plays. But like, they're not consistent, and they're like not particularly good defensively, and they don't handle physicality particularly well. Yeah, that's what I think. That's my thoughts yeah. on, on both Cal Baptist and Seattle. Um, Seattle, on the last part, at least of physicality, they looked a lot better in that Utah Valley game. They just, I mean, we'll get to this later. They they looked pretty good. Utah Valley also did not look very good. In that let's game. just let's get into it now, Zach. Around the whack. Let's let's do it. All right. Let's do uh let's do whack championship belt really quick. Somebody suggested that we name it after a whack legend or something like that. It was Ryan Hodge on Twitter replied said. Uh, this is probably a horrible idea, but what if you named the whack trophy after some random former whack legend, quote unquote, the Luke Longley championship trophy? I, I don't know who that is for that matter, but um, I've, I've come up with a couple options and I think we should hash that out really quick. Okay. So my first option is we can name it after the head coach who was the first whack champion. Could you guess who that is? No, the first whack champ. No, dude. What was it? Okay. 1962-63. No, uh, I cannot. Guess the team. Uh, is it Arizona State? It actually is. Okay. So we could either name it um, after the city of Tempe because that's where the championship was won. Or it, we could name it. Okay. You hate it? Okay. Awesome. Or we could name it after the coach, uh, Ned Wolk. Arizona State was 9-1. and one. The second place team was BYU at 6-4. and four. So that's the first option I have. The second option I have is we could name it after the first WAC tournament MVP. 
which would have been Juden Smith from UTEP in 1984. We could also name it after the city of El Paso, which is where the first tournament championship was crowned to UTEP in 1984. Do you know how the WAC started? No. Apparently, the BYU athletic director just poached a bunch of schools to make a new conference. What was his name? Eddie Kimball. Call it, call it the Kimball? Yeah, the Kimball. I like it. Yeah. All right, the Kimball. We got it. All right, the Kimball is the name of the championship belt that is going to be passed around from time to time. So the Kimball started in the hands of Sam Houston State this week. They took it from Tarleton last week by beating them 75-68, and they had an opportunity to retain the Kimball by playing against Southern Utah in Cedar City. Well, Southern Utah took care of business. They took the the Kimball back from Sam Houston State by winning 86-74. to Well, then Southern Utah had an opportunity to retain the Kimball in a game against Stephen F. Austin. Again, at Cedar City, and they retained it. They won the championship belt. They won the Kimball by beating Stephen F. Austin 67-58. to And so the Kimball remains with Southern Utah. This will be the third game that they've held the the, the Kimball this year. So with that, let's move into the rest of the WAC. Yeah, so rest of the WAC. New Mexico State is terrible. They're 0-6. I feel like we haven't talked about this at all the last time i'm going to say it new mexico state sucks no please say more say it more nightmare they lost ut arlington um we've already talked about this but if ever there was a game for them to win it was that one they did not they have too much talent to be this bad greg hire is on the hot seat uh i don't know what to say about this program other than they are drastically underperforming and i'm sure they're still going to beat the lopes twice so (laughs) that's the aggies Hey, wait, Zach, do you think he's actually on the high, the hot seat? I don't know. I think he's like, he's got to be, dude. Like he, he should be. Yeah, I, th- I think he should be. I don't know. Okay. I think so. I think so. Okay. This team is way too good to be this, this bad. Hey, um, can you say it one more time? Oh, they suck so bad. They're, hey, they might. All right. I'm just going to say this. Say they it. Might not make the whack tournament. Yes. Connor, listen to me. New Mexico State University might miss the WAC tournament. 12 teams make it out of 13, and only one doesn't. And right now that one team is UT Arlington. And guess what UT Arlington just did? They beat New Mexico State. And where In Las Cruces. In Las Cruces. It was in Las Cruces. (laughs) All right, we're done. We're done bashing New Mexico State. If you're a fan of New Mexico State, I'm sorry. Uh, not, not. Not because we said what we said. You deserve that. But because you're a fan of that team. Um, so anywho, <laughs> um, the winners are terrible and I hate them. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. I don't understand how Sam Houston state is moving up in the Ken Palm rankings. How they yeah, jumped no, that to is 72, questionable. how they've jumped to 72, despite being two and three in conference play. I just really don't get, um, I don't understand how this is possible. They lost at home. They were number 78, right? They were 78. Coming into conference, no, no, no. Coming into conference play, they were eighty-two. They were eighty. They yeah. lost to Utah Valley on the road. They beat New Mexico State on the road. They lost at home to GCU. They beat Tarleton at home. They lost at Southern Utah, and they won at Utah Tech. And in all of that, and going three and three in their first six game, losing a home game to GCU, 
They've gone up three ranks. How? You have to keep in mind it has to do with possession by possession metrics. Because if you look at it this way, GCU was like, what did we say? 306th in the nation in effective field goal percentage. After that UT Arlington game, they they jumped really high. They went from 105th in the nation just um, overall to 94th, right? And their effective field goal percentage went from like 306 to 247 just in that UT Arlington game. And so those possession by possession metrics, those statistics really are what calculate these things out. So yes, it's kind of weird that Sam Houston State is moving up, but keep in mind, GCU jumped from 105 to 94 in the nation just because they kicked UT Arlington's right. butt. They went up a lot. They went up a lot in the Ken Palm rankings, just generally yeah, speaking. It's crazy. Yeah. There's, I don't think that this GCU team right now deserves to be in the top hundred, but I'm not complaining. So either. No, so, they're at so, 98 right now. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that. I have spent most of the season making fun of Seattle U for not playing a real team, not playing real games. And on Saturday, they went into Utah Valley and beat them, snapped Utah Valley's 11 game winning streak. That was really, really impressive. I've been complaining all year that Seattle's overrated. They're ranked too high. And now I can't. I I, I still don't think Seattle's that great. I, I don't think that they um, are as good as the metrics say they are. I can't and won't argue any longer that they are overrated. They're the last undefeated team. They just beat the first place team on the road. They deserve to be where they are, which is second place 0.04 points away from being in first place. They're the only undefeated team and they just beat the number one team on the road. So good, great win for Seattle. Um, they deserve to be where they are, the last undefeated team. Um, I don't think it'll last. Like I said, I, I, I still don't think Seattle is as good as the Wimmers thinks they are. Um, they, they do have uh, some, a, a tough game coming up. They have a really tough stretch coming up the next two weeks. But, but you know, they, they went undefeated. They beat Utah Valley on the road. They've won six in a row. They just look good, man. They look good. So Seattle U deservedly is where they are. Utah Valley with that loss is still first in the Wimmers, just, just barely above Seattle. Snapped their 11-game winning streak, like we said. Utah Valley, Seattle U, Sam Houston, they're your top three. They are all very close. Utah Valley 3.19, Seattle 3.15, and Sam Houston 3.07. Those three teams are separated by 0.12 in the Wimmers. Um, and then there's a pretty significant gap between them and the rest of the conference. Sam Houston obviously was ranked very highly because of their very impressive non-conference. They have been very unimpressive so far in whack play, like we said, going three and three, not looking particularly great. After that, things get really interesting. Southern Utah just looks awesome. They're the four seed right now. They would get the last buy. Um, they're Southern Utah and GCU are separated by 0.11. The funny thing, and this is just like it doesn't matter, but I think it's hilarious. If Whack Vegas were to start today, your first game would be five-seeded Grand Canyon against 12-seeded New Mexico State. <laughs> and I would I would, I would, would be really sad because we would probably lose and I would be so mad. Here's the thing, Zach. I would, I would not like to see New Mexico State in the first round, not because I'm afraid of New Mexico State, but because if I'm going to be beating New Mexico State in the tournament, I want it to be in the freaking championship game. I want to send them home 
with the hopes of, you know, like they have an expectation, you know what, we might be able to win this thing. We might be able to make it to the tournament and salvage this terrible year. And then GCU comes rolling in and says, you know what, we're going to send you to the conference USA crying, baby. It's time for us to take our, 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 our crown. I want to take them out early. Really? Why would you this prefer that taking them out? Not really over- not for any sort of glorious thing, but I think the further along they get, the scarier they get. Um, the comparison is a couple of years ago when the Suns made their run to the final, we drew the Lakers in the first round, and everyone's really bummed out, right? Of like, oh, the Suns like were second best record in the NBA, they got the two seed, and now they have to play the stacked Lakers who like came off like were the defending champs and like coasted all year, right? And it's like great, we we got the second best record in the league just to play LeBron and Anthony Davis and Westbrook who just won the chip last year. And everyone is mad, but someone said to me, don't you think you'd rather play this team now than after they win two series? And that's kind of how I feel about New Mexico state is like, they're playing really bad. And if we catch them game one and just smoke them. Yeah. If we let them win two games in whack Vegas, I become way more scared in theory. Yes. In theory. Yes. But in narrative, dude, I just, it'd be, yeah. yeah, The narrative is better if we we beat them at the end. Sure. But they're scarier. The later we, the later they exist in this tournament, the scarier they get with that being said uh it's entirely possible they end up 13th considering that they can't win a basketball game so maybe they should focus on winning a basketball game before i, I i'm i'm talking about being afraid of a team right now that's zero and six in conference play so i'm going to just stop doing that please um, thank you other things around the whack yeah so i think i think the whack is divided into three tiers contenders which to me is the top six teams that are mid which are maybe could possibly beat that top tier, but are not on that level. And that's Tarleton, Cal Baptist, Utah Tech, UTRGV, and Abilene Christian. Maybe not Abilene Christian. And then there's teams that suck, and that's Abilene Christian, New Mexico State, and UT Arlington. Abilene Christian and New Mexico State have talent, but can't figure it out. UT Arlington just doesn't have a lot of talent. So that's my thoughts on the WAC. As I look at the Wimmers, I'm not particularly upset as I have been in the past. So this is a win for our boy WAC Hoops Digest, who all along has been saying, just wait and see, just wait and see, just wait and see. The one thing you pointed out, which I think is true, is it is ridiculous that Sam Houston is still third, even though they're three and three. I I agree. Because their non-conference is carrying them. I agree. That's true. That's exactly what's happening. Seattle U is the only undefeated team, so I cannot give them criticism. What I will say is they they have a tough stretch the next two weeks of four pretty tough games. Uh, they have the hardest road trip on planet Earth and, and another pretty tough trip at home before that. So if they if they come out unscathed, then I am ready to crown them the gods of the whack. But I don't think they're going to be. That's kind of that's kind of all I have. Um, good good for Cal Baptist. I, I kind of like Cal Baptist. I'll be rooting for them, but I, I don't think that they're. Uh, I don't think they're in that contender conversation. And I also think, like you said, I, I really like our chances against them in a neutral court. If we play them in Whack Vegas, I am not going to be worried uh, at all. Uh, mid-major top 25 from College Insider. This is crazy to me. Number 13 in the country mid-major is Sam Houston State, which like, whatever. No, no. Keep comment. in mind, this was, a, this was, <clears throat> also this was, this was prior to them losing to Southern Utah. Yes. Number 14, right, right behind them. So Sam Houston's 13. Number 14 uh, is Utah Valley. Understandable. They were on an 11 game winning streak or I guess 10 games. This is where it gets wild. Number 18, Stephen F. Austin. What? Wild. I don't know about top 25 unreasonable. Yes. Wild. Nah, dude, they should be receiving votes. I would say they're good. Stephen F. Austin is good. Yeah. But Um, that high. No, that's unreasonable. I I am. I am going to definitely keep an eye out on bracketology 
as of right now, like we've already we've already mentioned, Utah Valley is on the 12 line. That was before their loss. Uh, so I guess I'm interested twofold. One, uh, I want to see if it now becomes Seattle U is the only undefeated team. Joe Lenardi, and this is no disrespect to Joe Lenardi because Joe Lenardi, uh, I'm sure, is like very busy watching power conference basketball and like <laughs> does not watch mid-major basketball. So like actual bubble know, teams, like a lot of the right, a lot of the big, a lot of the big bracketologists, they don't watch mid-major basketball. So I understand. Um, so I'm interested to see if he just puts Seattle up there because they're first place in the conference. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. I'd be really interested to see where they are on the line. So if he does say, yeah, Seattle's our whack AQ is the only undefeated team. I wonder where they'd be. My guess is on the 14th line. That would be my guess. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I don't think they're there Ken is... Palm one. They're Ken Palm 132. Yeah, I think they'd be on the 14 line. I don't think they're but, as low as like the 15s where you had like Eastern Washington and and no. those other squads. Some of those 15s are like, yeah, yep. But I think I think they're 14. I think um, Utah Valley, Sam Houston could be a 13. I think Seattle, Southern Utah, GCU, Stephen F. Austin are all 14s. Yeah. And I think if anyone below that wins, then like we're looking at 15 or 16. When we made the tournament, we were the 15 seed, right? Yeah, we were 15. Yeah, that was a little unreasonable. I think we should have been 14. We should have been a 14. <laughs> but we, we still played really well. 1-0 all time against the spread in the NCAA tournament. We're Let's go! Yeah. Let's go! <laughs> still wish we would have won. Me too. Luke Garza is what it is. OP. He's too good. Do you have anything else? Uh, No, not really. All right. Well, that's all for tonight's episode, but you can look forward to hearing from us again on Wednesday. Granted, the Lopes do play on Wednesday, so if you want to catch the the preview for the Wednesday and the Saturday games, um, you're going to have to listen to it early on Wednesday before the game. So so until then, Lopes up. McMillan for three. Dishes out the block server. Three. Good. Harrison. Up high. Put back by the Golly gee, Pa, that was not a good game.